0: This is Hebrews in Exile, episode number 56 with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And in this episode, which is number 56, we discuss the differences between westernized culture and Hebraic culture. The system of government upon which we are being governed today, which is mainly a westernized culture, is not going to be in play when we're in the land. It is a kingdom, it is a theocracy, and our minds need to be formulated in such a way that when we arrive back into the land, we're able to acquiesce to the lifestyle that the Most High has shown us in Torah. So, without further ado, Hebrews in Exile, you know what we do,
1: let's go! This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and... Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews in in exile. Exile. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we always start off every every podcast with a laugh.
0: Oh, that 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 slow pause, yeah, like who's slow gonna pause say something first, and then
1: we laugh. <laughs> you know, we. It cannot be stated often enough that we are living in a diaspora. Absolutely. Hebrew Israel has been exiled out of its land to the four corners of the world under the hand of the Most High. Absolutely. (laughs) We are in this exile because our ancestors failed to honor the most high as being the most high by going off and serving other powers yeah. i use the word power because power is what the is what the hebrew language defines el mm-hmm. as and also because they failed to honor and walk in the mitzvahs that right. he gave us
0: i mean that's very cathartic what what you're saying and it's, it's very it's a very good point to point out because you know even you know even as we look at individuals that may have a substance abuse problem the first thing that we we say if when they go to counseling is admitting that you do have a problem. We have it, a problem. That the antithesis of yeah. where this thing yeah. started was because we decided yeah. that we wanted to abandon the lifestyle and governance that the most high has established through his Mishpid teams and Torah and go seeking after other
1: things. Yeah. So we have a very big part in this. To Think play. about this. If our ancestors, and when I talk about our ancestors, I'm not talking about my my, my paternal grandmother mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my paternal grandfather, my mother and father. I'm not talking about them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm talking about all of Hebrew Israel that was a part of the times living within the times of all of the prophets. Mm -hmm. Because all of the prophets, all of them, talk about how our ancestors abdicated the Torah, abdicated the Most High, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: worshipped other Elohims, did abominable things within their own culture or network of people that upset him to the point that he he says, I am in in the Chronicles, he says I'm left with no other remedy. I told you that when you did these things, that I would do you like the nations before you, mm-hmm. I would spew you out of the land and you testified to that point when Mm -hmm. you went in and, and you spied out the land, you said, and the most high spews people out of the land. Mm -hmm. And you came in knowing that Mm -hmm. did the same thing, left me with no other alternative, but to do what I said. It's kind of like, it's kind of like your parents your parents tell you they say well if you keep doing that i'm going i'm i'm going to discipline you
2: mm-hmm.
1: but they don't they don't in the moment right and you do it again they said i told you if you keep doing that i'm going to discipline you so they gives the warnings mm-hmm. after warning after warning so the most high gave Israel warning after warning after warning, prophet after prophet after prophet, warning them of the action that he was going to take. Finally, he gets to the point where he says, you have left me with no other remedy. Mm -hmm. So my mother would come up in my room and she would say to me, you've left me with no other alternative, but now you're going to have to take this weapon.
0: Right, exactly. And and correct me if I'm wrong, oh, honorable teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was to sum that all up into two words, I would say that would be your grace period. Yes. Upon which yes. this is the time that, yes. listen, I'm giving you an opportunity to get I, this right. I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity to, to correct yourself. Now, now, <laughs> I you are not going to make me look like my word is invalid. So now I have no other remedy but to enact this upon you. Right, right.
1: You did this, Right, not me. Now, with that being said, you have been with me ever since we transitioned to the Hebraic way and started teaching Torah. That was in 19, no, 2007. That was in 2007. okay. 2007. There have been other people that have come into the congregation and have heard us teach Torah in repetition, Mm -hmm. in in repetitive seasons back to back from 2007 until just recently. Mm -hmm. So we've covered, we've covered all of the passages and all of the narratives Mm -hmm. that, that, that cover the aspect and the issues of Torah.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, while we didn't teach specifically Torah, meaning the cutting out the mitzvot, the commandments and what have you, we did talk about them and we did go over them. So they heard them. Sure. Now. Let's get to somewhere mm-hmm. in Vayikra, chapter number nineteen in the Hebrew Bible, and verse seventeen. It says, "Let me see if I'm going to go there." Ah, let's let's back this up. Mm-hmm. Let's back this up to let's back this up to uh, nineteen and um, verse number uh 16 mm-hmm. do not go around spreading slander among your people do not go around spreading slander amongst your people but also don't stand idly by when your neighbor's life is at stake I am Yahweh. But let's just stop there for a minute. I mean, we're talking, we're talking misvotes now. We're, we're talking misvotes. Okay. One of the things that as a nation of people that we have to clean up in this diaspora is this aspect of slandering each other when we disagree mm. about things. And it's interesting to me that if, quote, quote, certain people that were so Torah uh, minded would have remembered, they got to go back and talk about Sakar. remember. Mm-hmm. If they remembered what Torah says about this, uh, there are certain things that would not have taken place. Absolutely. We, we, we've seen that manifest several times. Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because, listen, Hebrews in exile. We are a nation of people in exile. Mm-hmm. We have a land. We have a governance. We have a king. Mm-hmm but we're not in our land and we're not in the presence of our king and our Moshiach, which is not going to be Jesus Christ. For certain. That's that's true. But while we're in this diaspora, we need to gravitate to understanding how we need to deport ourselves so that when we get in the land, at least we'll have some common sense about how to go about dealing with each other because the difficulty that you're going to find in the land is that the Most high's not going to tolerate the things that we do now in this diaspora, which yeah. is one of the reasons why we're in the diaspora.
0: And that's, you know... That's why we, we, we teach so hard as we do because the other aspect of that is understanding the mentality of what you have to have while you're there. I don't want to cut you off because you're, you're on a roll. No. With, 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 with the mitzvah, and that's very important to teach that. But I, I just, for me, it's an understanding of, okay, for the layman, understand this one quintessential fact. Your whole entire culture which is the correct word I want to use there? Which is key is going to change. Do not think that the system of government or culture, as it is wherever you are, and if it's in a Westernized culture right now, which is really predominantly what the world is today. I mean, there's there's quite a bit of Eastern culture that's you know overseas and whatnot. But as far as we're concerned in the diaspora in the United States speaking to those Hebrews that are here, your whole entire system of governing, your whole entire system of how you deal with one another is going to change. You're not going to be able to simply go down to the local magistrate and conduct a, a dispute the way that you normally think that it would happen. The their whole entire system of how we talk about, you know, cities of refuge, those types of things, you have to formulate your mind and get into it. A, a, and this, 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 this system of or dogma of way of thinking that this is preparation over here. Right, right, right. And when we get over there, it's just gonna make it an easier transition for you when you wake up and you acquiesce to what's going on in the land. Like, oh, I've seen this before. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of this situation before. I know how this is supposed to, I may not understand in totality because we will have teachers that are in the land that will fill in the gaps because I can speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for you, but there are a lot of holes that need to get filled as far as understanding. Because this, oh, absolutely, this book only covers only so much. Absolutely, absolutely. So I am totally pliable in understanding and owning the fact that I don't know it all. Right, and, and I'm and, yeah. willing to learn when yeah. I get there.
1: And plus the fact, plus the, let's let's not for, let's not forget that we have and we're teaching from a document that is somewhat flawed Mm -hmm. because it's been handled by human hands Mm -hmm. who are also trying to understand some things that are not going to be understood until we get in the land. However, that being said, Mm -hmm. we have a document that gives us enough truth and gives us enough understanding that it appeases Mm -hmm our soul in relationship to the Most High. Right. At least the Most High knows that what we're going through, understanding that there's a lot that we don't know and there's a lot of pieces that are missing. He understands that we're making the effort Mm -hmm. to understand because he tells us in Ring that from the places that I have dispersed you, it is from there that you will search for me and you will find me. Mm -hmm. Well, how are we going to search for him and find him if we don't find him within the concert of his word? So we have his word uh, uh, in whatever form that we have it in. At least we have it from the Hebraic side of things Mm -hmm. uh, along with the, uh, the Masoretic, writings along with the Septuagint, which can meld with the Masoretic if you're able to go in and be able to see the the aspect of what the meat is right. versus the bones that are in there, because there were some Hebrew scholars that were involved in the Septuagint translation. Sure. So with that being said, I come back to the idea of learning What the Most High wants us to know and understand from a misfold perspective so that at least in our minds, we can start practicing and understanding from a congregational perspective and from individuals who are who are who may be part of your of of a group of people Mm -hmm. within that circle of people. And with outside of that circle of people, I know I know who Hebrew Israel is, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and my task is not to go around slandering among the people. That's a a commandment. That's a mitzvot. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, We're not supposed to do that. Then he goes on to say, do not hate your brother in your heart. But rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you won't carry sin because of him. Now, let's understand what that's talking about. Within the framework of Hebrew Israel, in this diaspora, we get away with a whole lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. And this diaspora is really, we get back to the point that you made earlier, it's all about grace. Mm -hmm. Because if there was no grace in this diaspora, but he... uh, we, you'd be <laughs> all y'all, all y'all that don't on don't the Sabbath, oh, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be demised.
0: That's right. The world will be. And, and is- that's,
1: and that's just, that's just a, a, a part of it. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but with that being the case, we have to wrap our minds around the idea that when Torah is compromised amongst our brothers, mm-hmm. We have a responsibility to help them to get back on track of understanding and how to walk in these mitzvot. Mm-hmm. So he says, don't hate your brother in your heart, rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so that you won't carry sin because of him. Now, if I see something going wrong that violates the principle of Torah within my brother, I have the obligation and I have a responsibility to go to him mm. and help him understand the walk. If I don't do that and I see it, then I'm culpable in the action that he's doing because I took no action to, to stop it or to help it. Remember, Torah is all about the preservation of Hebrew Israel.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Which is, which is a, oh, man, that is such a good point. That is such a good point. It's all about the preservation of Mm -hmm. Hebrew Israel. You'll hear the Most High say these words. Well, why did you, why did you kill so-and-so-and-so? So so? So that it would be an example in the Israel. Mm Mm-hmm so that Israel would understand that this is not going to be tolerated
0: right and here's another aspect of it too cuz we talked about it this this past shabbat which was brought to my attention very eloquently is that in some of these in like breaking the shabbat you kind of ask kind of ask yourself the question this person actually violated the mitzvah but when you read the text it's like Why are every other people being dragged into this? Like, the whole household was brought out. (laughs) And what I didn't get an opportunity to say was that now what seems to be happening is this issue of what we call in this day and age aiding and abetting a felon. Because look at it this way. If I know that someone is violating a mitzvah and I love them and now they're a family member, how really adamant am I to say okay because I got to bring them forward by two or three witnesses they got to get brought forward so there's this idea of saying okay this person committed this act because I brought this issue up when I spoke I said okay
1: Akan went ahead he when Jericho Akan Akan in in normal language is Aiken Aiken
0: they went in and they sacked Jericho. Yahashua gave them the command: wherever you stand, when the fall, when the walls fall down, go straight in the Jericho. I want you to take out everything in Jericho, burn it to the ground, except for Rahav, who helped the two spies. And then the things uh, that's that-
1: Rachel. And <laughs> you gotta translate. I mean, for Ra- me. that's Rahab. Ra- Rahab, that's Rahab.
0: And the articles that are going to be preserved for the treasury. Now, this one individual decided that he wanted to take something and put it in his tent. Do you want me to honestly believe that his family members didn't see him do that? That there was a command that you were supposed to go ahead and put all that stuff in the treasury and you hid it in your tent? So when we see something, whether it be family members or not, in keeping in line with the mitzvot, we are to rebuke bring it to the attention so we don't have any of this going on in the citizenship of Israel. Of Israel, That's why I'm saying I can't keep making this point over and over again. Get it out your brain that when you get to the land that it is going to function like the United States. Listen, it is not.
1: Listen, the preservation of Israel because our sole power El Elohim, Yahweh, the Ruach, the ultimate spirit, is not going to tolerate our whimsical attitudes towards his word. Mm -hmm. That's why we're in this diaspora, Mm -hmm. because our fathers did that. Absolutely. So... Hmm. We need to understand that one of these reasons why it's so important for us to talk about these votes, I think I've talked about this before, is so that within your heart and soul and in your mind, you have some aspect of understanding what is actually needed to have and formulate. A kind of relationship with the most high that he wants us to have. Mm-hmm. So now we get we get I'm gonna cross the street for a minute over into over to okay. John. I gotta go, I gotta go over to John because it's true. Okay. John says that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now he's not talking about JC, he's talking about the most high. If you love the most high, then you'll keep his commandments, you'll do what he says. Mm-hmm. But if you if, and when he, when he talks about that, he's not talking about the 10, supposedly, that are in Exodus chapter 20. Those are not the commandments. Those are the wedding vows.
0: Right. Which the you command, don't do those it, anyway. Yeah, the
1: commandments are over and I think, chapter 34 or somewhere over there. Yeah. Shemote 34. Yeah. So, so now we look at this and we look at what he's asking us to do. Number one, don't. Don't slander your people and don't hate your brother, but rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you don't carry sin because of him. Don't take vengeance on or bear a grudge against any of your people. Rather, love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. Now, who says that?
0: (laughs) He wrote the narrative and then signed it at the bottom. I am Yahweh. This is my word. This is what I want you to do. That's it's, Yahweh speaking.
1: Did, did somebody else say that? What's the greatest commandment?
0: If you love love yourself, as you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Something to that effect. Something to that effect. Well, actually, I think he's thinking if I'm quoting him correctly, he says that to not to be uh, to love the most high and to love. Your neighbor as you love yourself. I think that's
1: the second one. Well, but we quote that
0: as the, uh, yeah. over on the other side, we well, quote it as the main because one. Because
1: that's a Torah commandment that comes out of Torah. That's correct. And, that is correct. And it says, don't take vengeance on or bear a grudge against your your people. Rather love your neighbor as yourself, signed, I am Yahweh. All right.
0: So if you consider yourself a part of Hebrew Israel and there is something that has happened, some offense that has happened, you are not to hold a grudge in your spirit. You are to come to your brother and point out the act and say, listen, this is what Taurus says. Can you please explain to me or I'm going to explain to you how we're not holding true to this? Yeah. And I think... I'm going to I'm going to say this. For all the years that I've been here, I think you've done an excellent job of and this is the reason why we are where we are was cuz we've been so open to people saying, "You know, I I don't think that that's what that Mitch is talking about." Yeah. And we do the due diligence, we do the research, and we present it and we're big enough to say we were wrong. Right? And this is what the mitzvot says, and this is how we're going to correct it by right. teshuvah
1: yeah. doing a 180-degree turn re, from re, what re, we were re, doing repens, and walking repens, in righteous, and walk righteousness. In righteous. Yes, yes, because righteousness is important. That's, that's the
0: point. It's not for you to get in your feelings and go somewhere and hold a grudge against your brother or your sister. <sighs> That is not how Hebrew Israel functions. How are we going to get anywhere as a group of people if we can't sit down and reason together at least about the things that we're supposed to be on one accord about?
1: Right, right, right. I don't, I don't get that. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. It. And you know, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about this to to our to our to our viewers and our listeners because <clears throat> I want you. I want you to be in sync with and in harmony with the most high at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the principles that we have discovered in the history of Hebrew Israel is when Hebrew Israel is not in sync with the most High, and when they find themselves having to go to war, a lot of people <laughs> die because they're not because somebody is not in sync with the most high. Right. And sin prevents prevents the most high from acting in his heavenly host army position mm-hmm. to destroy your enemies when sin prevails. And what is sin? Sin is a violation of the Torah, the principles, the rules, the governance of the most high. It's just like, it's just like breaking the laws of the land. If you break the laws of the land, you're not in sync with the governance of the land. There is a penalty to pay. Somebody's going to get hurt. Simple as that. And that's a reality
0: that translates over, which is very poignant for us, is that the things that we're talking about are things that are of reality that you can relate to right now in this day and age, just like you uh, eloquently put. For every infraction that is against whatever state legislation, whatever local magistrates have jurisdiction over this land, you violate those, there's a penalty to pay for it. The only place that I know of where you can continually to violate, violate the laws of whatever your God tells you that they are on that 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service where you can go and get a spiritual car wash every single weekend. You can do whatever you want to do. As long as you say that I'm sorry, then it's okay. Where in the real world does that work? I wish I could go ahead and steal your Lexus and say, catch me down the street and then say to the office, I'm sorry. Do you forgive me? (laughs) Do Do you forgive me for stealing it?
1: Yeah, I forgive you for stealing it, but you still are going to have to pay the penalty for what you did. Right. Because 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 Torah comes back and tells you that there is a penalty for violating the things that belong to somebody else that you have misused or taken. You There's 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 restitution. You got You got to give up.
0: It's, it's reality. And yeah. that's what I love about yeah. the word of the most highest yeah.
1: because it's rooted in reality. Right.
0: I can relate to
1: it. So, As I sit here. So he says after that, he says, observe my regulations. Mm-hmm. So we are responsible for knowing what they are and then to observe them. And I have to say to you, I, I realize that you can't observe something that you don't know. Right. But once again, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna use the the narrative of this nation that we live in. Mm-hmm. So I break a law, and I tell the officer of the court, well, I didn't know.
0: Right, he's gonna come back and say something very key to you when you say that. What's he gonna say? He's gonna say your ignorance of the law is no excuse. Just because you didn't know doesn't mean that. Oh, we're we're, we're gonna negate it. We're gonna because dis- you didn't know. We're
1: gonna dismiss it. <laughs> You do what I just did and laugh at you. Yeah. Now, now I want to get into one. I want to get into one that you talked so eloquently about in the past Shabbat. And, and by the way, uh, uh, um, for those of you that are listening to the podcast, if you go on to Sound of the Shofar, Sound of the Shofar, FTF, uh, Sound of the Shore, our YouTube channel. You can hear uh, Coenine Appleton's uh, last dissertation on Yahashua, chapter number five, six, and seven. Yeah, it's very, it's very, uh, it's a very good dissertation. You'll get a lot of it. But what I want you to do, I want you to do, I want you to talk about this next mitzvot here in in Vaikra, chapter 19, beginning at verse 19. Observe my regulations, period. Don't let your livestock mate with those of another kind. Don't sow your field with two different kinds of grain. And don't wear a garment of cloth made with two different kinds of thread. Now, that mitzvot right there says a whole lot. But the underlying, the underlying message that it brings to us is the idea of the principle of not, you, you're you not supposed to mix things that are not supposed to be mixed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, um, when I read The Smith's fault, I went home and I cleaned my closet out with everything that was made <laughs> with Polly and Esther. Holly and Estor. And um, I got rid of everything of my clothing that were of a mixed nature. I now wear, I wear wool and I wear cotton.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And (laughs) I wear linen. I have linen, wool, cotton. Mm -hmm. All my sweaters are either are either wool, or they are cotton. Mm-hmm. So, the aspect of this particular mitzvot has a has a term that we use often in 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 legalese that says the misvote is systemic to the idea of that you don't. Mix things.
0: Right. Right. Elaborate right. for me. So in order to set this up, um, I need to go across the street if I'm permitted to. Because, again, with the theme of this is I want everybody to understand that the, the mitzvot starts out by saying, observe my, my regulations. regulations. Yes. That is quintessential to understanding this mitzvot because just like you eloquently put one may read that and say okay i'm not supposed to have two animals unequally yoked i'm not supposed to wear two different types of cloth or two tips two different types of materials together and take it from its literal sense and then the question would be well why is it just those particular exam or those particular ones why does the most high why is he so adamant about those particular ones so this is the way that I can explain it. Now, I got to go around Red, Robin's Red Barn to do it, but I'm going to do it this way. So I'm going to jump over to Romans, the good book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 6 through 9. And I'm going to read because we what the what the writer of this is saying, this is our, our dear brother, uh, Shaul. Shaul, who is Paul. And he's speaking on the issue of trusting and trusting through righteousness. And one of the things that he does in here is he quotes our master teacher, Moshe, while he's doing this. And I'm starting at verse, even though I said chapter uh, 10, verses six through nine, I'm gonna start at verse actually five because he actually mentions Moshe, it says, and I'm reading from uh, the complete Jewish Bible. It says, for Moshe writes about the righteousness grounded in the Torah that the person who does these things will attain life through them. Moreover, this is verse six, the righteousness grounded in trusting says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? That's the Hashemayim. That is to bring the Messiah down or who will, to des- who will descend into Sheol? Sheol is not hell, Sheol is the grave. That is to bring the Messiah up from the dead. What then does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is key. Listen, that is the word about trust, which we proclaim namely that if you acknowledge publicly with your mouth that Jesus the Christ is Lord and trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be delivered. Now, the issue that we're having with this is I need to jump back over back into Devarim, which is Deuteronomy, chapter number 30, verses 10 through 14. Now just bear with me as I as I go there real quick. Chapter number 30. What did I say? 10 through 14. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 10 through 14. Now listen to what this narrative says because Paul is actually quoting Moshe but he's quoting it incorrectly. It says 10, however, this will happen only if you pay attention to what Yahweh your Elohim says. Now, what he's talking about in the pretext is when we get into the land, if you observe these commands and hold true to them, things will go well with you. This is the prerequisite upon which your success happens in the land. 10, however, all these things will happen only if you pay attention to what Yahweh your Elohim says so that you obey his mitzvots and his regulations which are written in this book of the Torah. If you turn to Yahweh your Elohim with all your heart and all your being. 11 For this mitzvah I'm, which I'm I am giving you today is not too hard for you. It is not beyond your reach. It is not in the sky. So you need to ask who will ascend up into the sky who will go up into the sky for us, bring it to us and make us hear it so we can obey it. 13, likewise, it, is, it isn't beyond the sea. So you need to ask who will cross the sea for us, bring it to us and make us hear it so we can obey it. On the contrary, the word is very close to you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. Therefore, you can do it. Paul is quoting this and there's two different things that are going on. Moshe is putting it in the context of children of Israel. If you wanna prosper in the land, obey the mitzvot and the commandments, because if not, the Most High is gonna kick you out. When you get back over to Romans, he's saying that what Moshe is talking about here, because he quotes him in verse number five, it says that Moshe is saying, he's talking about righteousness and trusting for them now in Yeshua the Hamashiach. These are two different concepts that are being intermingled. And the point here, me bringing this up to go around Robin's Red Barn is you don't have Paul's narrative here unless you go into the Hebrew narrative and pull out this dissertation from Moshe and morph it into something else. That brings me back to Leviticus 19. Chapter 19 and 19. Remember what we had enumerated before. We said, this is the issue of mixing. So let me read to you what this is actually saying now. 19 and 19. It says, observe my regulations. That's the title. Don't let your livestock mate with those of another kind. Don't sow your field with two different kinds of grain. Don't wear a garment of cloth made with two different kinds of thread. Let me read this to you a different way. Observe my regulations, my mitzvot. Don't do any other mitzvot. Don't listen to any other God. Don't listen to any other person other than obeying these mitzvot. Just like you wouldn't have your livestock mate with another kind, or sow your field with two different kinds of grain, or you wouldn't wear a garment with two different kinds of cloth. Don't mix my word with something else. That is what that particular mitzvah is talking about. I know some people, and I know a lot of maybe the Ashkenazis and, and Sephardics may look at this and say, okay, I can't wear anything but wool or only cotton. I would submit to Hebrew Israel that what this is talking about is a quintessential issue for us that says, I don't want you to be Christian. I don't want you to be anything else. I don't want you to be Muslim. I don't want you to be Hindu. I don't want you to acquiesce to any other teaching other than my word, because what you're going to do, especially the most egregious one that I can point to is the narrative that's in Christianity because clearly I just read to you in Romans how Paul has taken the narrative out of Devarim 30, 10 through 14 and morphed it into something else, mixing Torah
1: with some other
0: idol doctrine.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> with, with, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I, I get it. I get it. What you have to know when we explain things like this is that, one, we are not talking about a religion. No. And it is clear, it is clear from the Hebrew writing in the book of Hebrews that the Greeks and the Romans are promulgating an altogether new religion. Absolutely. Now, now watch this. I called it a new religion. Mm -hmm. Now, what you have to understand by calling it a new religion, you have to realize that Constantine, in the in the in the bringing together of all of the religions that were in authority and power in his day, Mm -hmm. he wanted to establish a religion that they could all follow and live by. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you can call it a new religion but the Most High never gave Hebrew Israel a religion. Gave him a lifestyle. Gave him a government. What we do, what we talk about is not religion. We talk about a way of life that mm-hmm. the Most High has given us. So if you ask us a question, <sighs> well, what religion are you? We'd have to tell you we're not of any religion. That's correct.
0: That's correct. And and see, that should resonate with a lot of people because a lot of people in this day and age is like, I have no, I don't want to be affiliated with religion, period. It is so messed
1: up. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Which is, again, to your point, I want to point out something here, too, that you mentioned Constantine. We do realize, for those of you that may know or don't know, that this religion of Christianity didn't show up until... 60 years after, it's in the first century that it showed up after your so-called Messiah's death. Right. This is, an Islam was it? AD. Right. Islam is not even established until this, to the 7th uh, century. So this, what we're talking about, the lifestyle that the Most High has laid out for Hebrew Israel has been in existence well before this. And you got to ask the question, come on, I'm, Hebrew seven.
1: Just read that. Well, read Hebrew 7. Well, but you see, here's a problem. I and I think I think I'm not sure. I had to go back and listen to a podcast. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about Hebrew 7. I think I think we broke it down. If we didn't yes, break it down, we did. We'll we'll break it down again, but not tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of being compared to something that is so flawed. Mm -hmm. Hebrew Israel is not in this world walking under the guise of a religion. We're walking under the auspices of a king, Mm -hmm. a sovereign, Mm -hmm. a ruach, a spirit, Mm -hmm. an absolute all existent one the creator of all things, who doesn't bleed, who doesn't die, who doesn't lie, who doesn't change his mind, who was altogether righteous and would not wake up in the middle of 400 years and have a diabolical nation that he's spoken about in Daniel, write a narrative from him and call it a a new covenant. It's not a new covenant. The new, covenant, the new covenant, the new, come on, the come new on. covenant that the most high is talking about is written in Jeremiah who, chapter 31. And in that day, I will make a new covenant with Israel. Mm-hmm. That new covenant that he's talking about is not that thing across the street. The new covenant that he's talking about is what he's going to do for Hebrew Israel in the messianic era when we're all back in the land. Right.
0: And the goal is all we're trying to do is get y'all ready, wake you up so you can at least make the transition and not be part of that two thirds that ain't gonna make it
1: well you know i think at some point i'm gonna have to come back and um read from the prophet jeremiah yeah. i mean Zechariah. Yeah, yeah Zechariah. um i gotta find it too just bear we go ahead talk to me talk for a minute i gotta I mean, find it um there
0: was there was another when you brought up that other issue about, you know, waking up from four hundred years to to violate his own own word, you know, uh, another poignant point of fact here is that when you do go ahead, I'm gonna bring I'ma bring his mama up. I'ma bring his mama up. <laughs> okay? Cause this is something that is overlooked quite a bit over there because this is a prime example of what we're talking about, of how the Most High is not going to sit there and violate his own word. I draw your attention to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, <laughs> that talks about, the inception of, and I'm gonna just paraphrase it just for the sake of time, because I know you got the, the the scripture that you want to go to.
1: You don't have to paraphrase. <sighs> oh, I can read. Oh, we got time. I can read it. Okay, let's yeah, get it. Yeah, we can read it. Let's get it for the for the hearing of the people. You're 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 good at dividing podcasts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Y'all can divide this one up. So Matthew chapter one. Let's go there. Chapter one, verses 18 through 20. Let's talk about him for a second. Okay, eighteen reads as such in the complete Jewish Bible. It says, "Here is how the birth of Jesus the Christ or Yeshua the Messiah took place." We're all familiar with this story. Okay, let's recant. It says, "When his mother Miriam or Mary was engaged to Joseph." Now, in order for me to set this up, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say something real quick. There is a Torah mitzvot. You can go read it. Um, It is, let me give you the street and verse. It's in Deuteronomy 22 13 through 20. And this talks about this idea that says, or this mitzvot that talks about a bride presenting herself as a virgin, then found to having willfully engaged in sexual intercourse with a man while betrothed to, while he's betrothed to the damsel, which in other words is saying, if I'm engaged to someone and she decides she wants to go out and have intercourse with another man while she's betrothed to me, while she is engaged to me, the punishment that she's supposed to receive is a stoning. Okay. That is a Torah mitzvah. This sets up Matthew 1,
1: verses 18 through 20. Okay, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold hold on. So hold your your point. Hold your point. In the Hebrew culture, a betrothal and an engagement Mm. carries the same weight as being married. True. I mean, the fact that we have an exchange of vows does not negate the fact that the person that I am... I am engaged to is not betrothed to me as mine. Therefore it carries the same weight as an individual who is married. Correct. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So
0: Matthew getting back to old brother Matthew here. Matayehu. Matayehu. 18 says, this is how the birth of Yeshua, the Messiah took place when his mother Mary was, or Miriam was engaged to Yosef. So she's engaged to Yosef before they were married. She was found to be pregnant from the Ruach HaKodesh. Let's paint the scenario here. We're traveling all day, and I know that you're betrothed to some woman, and she winds up coming through the door pregnant. How in the world am I gonna explain to people that, oh, she got pregnant by the spirit? How many people do you think are actually going to believe that? (laughs) This is the predicament that Yosef is in because read the text. It says her husband to be Yosef was a man who did what was right. That means Yosef at least knew something about Torah. That's how I interpret that. So it says, so he made plans to break the engagement quietly rather than to put her to public shame. Christian church, you go ahead and you blow over that all the time because you do not have an understanding of Torah votes. You do not have an understanding of what it means to be Hebrew. You have no idea what culture is at the time. Yosef was going to break the engagement to this woman because he didn't want his bride to be to get killed. That is why that text is put in there. So I said to myself, let's read on, okay? It says he made plans to break the engagement quietly rather than to put her to public shame because what's going to happen, she's going to get stoned and she's going to be shamed publicly. But while he was thinking about this, think about this. While he was thinking about this, an angel of the Most High appeared to him in a dream and said, Yosef, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Miriam home with you as your wife. For what has been conceived in her is from the Ruach al-Kodesh. She will give birth to a son and his name shall be Yeshua, so on and so forth. My question to you, which is piggybacking on what you said, why would the Most High send his spirit to negate a mitzvot that this man obviously knew about two sentences earlier? This is the problem that I'm talking about when we get back to this theme in Leviticus 19 and 19. Observe
1: my regulations. Stop mixing this stuff with other junk. Well, Here's my question. Here's my question. Here's my question. Why would the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, who has written to us a regulation that he tells us to obey, then 400 years later, he allows a nation of people that he has said in Ezekiel that he's going to destroy to change the narrative and make him out to be a liar. Listen. Uh -uh. hey. Uh, Why would The Ruach HaKodesh The Holy Spirit The creator of all things Who says I am not a human being Mm -hmm. In numbers That I should Lie lie, Or Change Change my mind mind. So When you look at the mitzvot that he's given Hebrew Israel, and you look at the narrative that we just read, the Most High is sending his angel to speak to Joseph to change the narrative that he spoke to Hebrew Israel about. Now he makes himself out to violate his own principle that says I'm not a human, mm-hmm. that I should lie, or mm-hmm. changes my, change my mind. So within that narrative, he's lying and he's changing his mind. Now, I'm not calling the Holy Spirit a liar. I'm no, 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 <laughs> no, I'm, my, 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 my mm, they ain't big There's enough. Some reservation there, yeah. <laughs> they ain't big enough for me to do that. Riches ain't big enough for that? No, they're not big enough to do that. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if you're ignorant, and if you have no respect for the Most High, you can do that. Uh-huh. Now, who wrote that? Did Hebrew Israel write that? No. Did one of the prophets write that? Nope. Then who wrote that? Because whoever wrote that is sitting on the end of a nation that is called in Daniel an anti-Moshiach nation. nation. Yeah. That means they are against, let me put it in, I I don't <laughs> like using the terminology. Mm. Oh man, I don't like using the terminology. But I got to do it for the sake of my hearers. Greece and Rome are anti-God nations. That means anti means they are against your Elohim that you love so dearly, and they are against the people that he loves so dearly. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that wrote that narrative, which happens to violate. The principal regulation that the Most High has written for Hebrew Israel to follow. Mm-hmm. So it cannot be true in any sense of the word. Mm. Very true. Which correlates mm-hmm. with Yeshayahu chapter 7. Let's get it. Oh. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I wasn't planning on being here That's okay This long tonight That's okay The people need to They need to
0: acquiesce to this Because you know what Oh man I keep, I keep coping myself
1: I'm getting there Let's um, go Let's go go Let's, ahead. Go. Let's go Let's go Let's go So Within the narrative in Matthew That you read mm-hmm. It goes on to say And I'm going to paraphrase That a version ah yes shall bear this child Mm -hmm. and this child's name shall be emmanuel yah with us Mm -hmm. that comes straight out of isaiah chapter number seven Mm -hmm. but that and it's in bold print if you're looking in your king james bible it's italicized and it has probably a letter or number next to it that refers you back to Isaiah chapter number seven. To make you believe that Isaiah seven is talking about your newborn baby called Jesus Christ, who is Emmanuel, God with us. Mm-hmm. Let's read the narrative. All right. Chapter seven. Are uh, you going to shoot you? you. <sighs> First off, we have to go. We have to go to Yeshayahu, chapter one, to see who Isaiah is writing to. All right. He's writing to the nation of Yehuda, mm-hmm. okay, and the kings of Yehuda. Yep, says it right there in verse one. Yes. So that's who he's writing to. Mm-hmm. So now let's get to seven. Okay. During the days of Akaz, the son of Yotan, the son of Uzayahu, the king of Yehuda, Ritzin, the king of Amron, and Pigak, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, advanced on Jerusalem to attack it, but were unable to conquer it. It was told to the house of David that Aram and Ephraim had become allies. Akkah's heart began to tremble. As did the hearts of his people, mm-hmm. like forest trees shaken by the wind. Now, that's that sets up the narrative of what's going what's gonna to really happen. Mm-hmm. Yahweh said to the prophet Yeshayahu, go out to meet Akaz, you and your son. Mm-hmm. Isaiah and his son. R- remember, Isaiah has a son. Yeshayahu has a son. Mm-hmm. And if he has a son, he has a wife Mm -hmm. who bore the son. Mm -hmm. I want you to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. You and your son, Sha'ar Yeshuv, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the road to the launders field and say to him, talking about Mm Akaz, take care to stay calm and unafraid. Don't be demoralized by these two smoldering stumps of firewood, by the blazing anger of Richland, the the son of Ramaya, or because Amran, Ephraim, the son of Ramaya have been plotting against you, thinking we will invade Yehuda, tear it apart, divide it among ourselves, and appoint the son of Tav-El uh, as king there. Mm-hmm. This is what Yahweh Elohim, Elohim says. says. Mm-hmm. It will not occur. It won't happen. For the head of Amron is Damascus. The head of Damascus is Ritzin. In 65 years, Ephraim will be broken and will cease to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Sharon. The head of Shorom is the son of Ramaliah. Without firm faith, you will not be firmly established. Mm-hmm. Yahweh spoke again to Akaz. He said, ask Yahweh, Eloheka, to give you a sign. Now listen to this. Mm-hmm. Remember, Yeshayahu has a son. Correct. Now he's going to give him a sign. Mm-hmm. Ask it anywhere from the depths of Sheol to the heights above. But Akaz answered, I won't ask, I won't Test Yahweh. Then the prophet Yeshayahu said, listen here house of David is trying people's patience such a small thing for you that you must try the patience of my Elohim as well therefore Yahweh himself will give you you a sign." sign. Listen to the text because this is the text that's in italics in your Bible and it's referenced back to here. the young woman will become pregnant. It mm-hmm. said young woman. Didn't say virgin. Sure didn't. It says young woman. hmm Will bear a son and name him Emmanuel. Elohim is with us. Okay? That's what it says. hmm Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think is bearing this son called Emmanuel? (laughs) Is it it Akaza's wife? No. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. You got to read on down to chapter number eight. See if we can get there. I want you to keep that in mind. We get down to chapter number eight. Mm -hmm. Yahweh said to me, take a large tablet, write on it in easily readable letters, mahar shala hashbaz, the spoil hurries, the praise speeds alone. I had it witnessed for me by a reliable witness, Uriah the Koanin, and Zechariah, who the son of Erech Yahu. Then I had oh, sexual relations with my wife. Yeshua is telling you he had relations with his wife. She became pregnant, gave birth to a son, and Yahweh said to him, name him Shah Hashbaz. Became, because before the child knows how to cry, Abba and Ema, the riches of Damascus the spoil of Shomrom will be carried off and assigned to the king Asher now let's go on let's skip down somewhere mm-hmm. now we got we got we got uh the first son mm-hmm. Shahar uh forget his name I, I don't remember but in, uh-huh.
0: in al Hashbaz.
1: Hashbaz, that's the first son
0: mm-hmm.
1: now we have the second son that's being born, she's pregnant him. Now we go down to verse number chapter eight, and verse we're going to start at verse eight. It will sweep through Yeh- Yehuda, flooding everything, passing on. It will reach even up to the neck, and its outspreading wings will fill the whole expanse of the land. Talking about this river. Mm-hmm. Yahweh is with us. Emmanuel. That's present tense. Mm-hmm. That's not 400 years later. You may make an uproar, peoples, but you will be scared, shattered. Listen. All of you from distant lands, arm yourselves, but you will be shattered. Let's go on. Let's go down somewhere. I'm trying to find some place down here where I think it's in chapter. um, Okay. Let's go down here to verse 10. Devise a plan, but it will not come to nothing. Say anything you like. But it won't happen because Yahweh is with us, us. Emmanuel, present tense. Mm-hmm. Then Yeshayahu goes on to say in chapter nine, chapter eight, verse eighteen. Meanwhile, I and the children, the first son born to Yeshayahu. Mm-hmm the second born born to Yeshua, and the third son, which is Emmanuel, born to Yeshua. Meanwhile, I and the children whom Yahweh has given me will become for Israel signs and wonders from Yahweh's Sabbath living on Mount Zion. Now, all of that that I read you is to cross check
2: mm-hmm.
1: across the street where they said That this Emmanuel was going to be born by a virgin. Emmanuel was born 400 years before there was ever a a Miriam or a Joseph. And it's present tense. It gets back to the narrative that Mm -hmm. we open with. Right. Do not mix. Mix my words with a nation who is foreign to me, who have proven themselves to be upright rule violators of the golden rule you shall not add to, you shall not take, take away from, and who have proven themselves by, by scriptural texts, by the foundation of a covenant, that the Most High gave with Hebrew Israel, that's written from Bereshit to Second Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell me <sighs> that the Most High is a liar and he changes his word?
0: Never, never has, never will. <sighs> Do we rest to the
1: jury? No. We ain't resting. I'm going to close. All right. The, the attorney has to, has to give has his closing. Has to give the closing arguments. Listen, listen. I want you to think about this. When we study scripture and scripture as your eloquent writer Shaul or Timothy has pointed out, speaks about scripture within the narrative that we speak about scripture because at the time that Timothy's writing, Sha'u's writing, all of that writing is not is is not in existence. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about all scripture mm-hmm. is Elohim breathed Valuable for correctness and right living mm-hmm. and 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 teaching truth. Mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what it is. That's right. That narrative precedes Scripture, precedes anything that's coming out of the mouth of Timothy, out of the mouth of Sha'ul, and Mm -hmm. out of that other guy. Right. Right. So, that Scripture over there that came out of the mouth of the one who made you and made them, and made every human being that exists upon the face of the earth then and now, that spirit, that spirit is defined as the righteousness
2: mm-hmm.
1: of righteous. There is no turning with him. There is no ability for him to even embellish he has no need to do that. Right. That spirit cannot lie and cannot change his mind. If he does, and if he did, mm-hmm. now I got to ask a real strong question: mm-hmm. Why is the earth still standing? Because and if the earth is still standing with an Elohim who's a liar and breaks his word, we might as well fold up tent. Yeah. Pack this up, and let's do something and else. Let's 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 go do something else and let's just sit by and wait for the great day, not knowing right what the outcome is going to be. Mm. Think about that. I want you all to think about that. While our Hebrew family and pastors and teachers continue to lead Hebrew Israel in exile down a path that is designed for destruction, think about the Elohim that you love so dearly and ask yourself a question, can he lie? Can he change his mind in relationship to what he says is permanent? Has he ever broken a covenant that he has put in place? Mm. Never. If you can find the answer to that question as being yes, then we all need to fold up our tent and eat, drink, and be merry.
0: Right off into the sunset.
1: Because with that being the case, we would have absolutely no clue as to what we're doing, nor what our end would be. And he said that I have told you, I've given you the narrative of the end from the beginning. So if he's given us the narrative of the end from the beginning, we can go into the beginning and we can find the answer to what the end is all about. Mm -hmm. But if he's a liar, as the Greeks have so eloquently stated by their language and their edits and their insertions... Then we are, of all men, most miserable. Your Honor, Mm. I rest. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and And, Sean Appleton. And Sean Appleton. This has been
0: Hebrews Hebrews in in Exile. exile.
1: Shalom. Shalom.